Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, I want to welcome all of you at all of our churches today as we are in week three of our sermon series entitled Follow. And uh, if you're new to RCC at any of our churches, whenever we talk about doing a sermon series, really what we do is we just take like one big idea and then we spend like three, four, five, or six weeks just digging into what that means and how it applies to our life. In other words, what we do is basically take a big, long sermon and we break it down into very chewable pieces. And so this week we're in our third week and what we've said for the past few weeks and the whole idea behind this conversation is this whole idea of following Jesus, it's a very important conversation because there's so much misunderstanding about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But the other thing that we're discovering over these last couple of weeks as we've been talking about what does it mean to follow Christ is not only is this an important conversation, this is also a very challenging conversation. In fact, what you're going to discover as we move through these next few weeks, the challenge becomes even greater. Each week, you're going to experience a greater challenge of what it means to follow. So here's what happens. If you're not, don't consider yourself like a Christ follower. As you listen to this series, you might even convince yourself that you don't want to be one. But here's the thing. At least you will know what those of us who follow Jesus Christ really should do. And you also know what it means if you decide to follow Jesus Christ. And here's really our prayer for you. Our prayer is that you truly will make a decision to follow Jesus Christ because you're going to see how worth it is to really follow Jesus. So here's the big idea that we're building this conversation on. Salvation is free, it costs me nothing. And we all like this part about following Jesus. That salvation is free, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his unmerited love and favor toward us. We love that part. Salvation is free, it costs me nothing. Following Jesus will cost me something. And this is the tension that all of us feel at some point in time. It's why some of you at some of our churches, you've been attending church for a few years, but you've decided I'm not going to follow Jesus because you don't know what it might cost you or you're scared of what it might cost you. It's why at some point, those of us who do start following Jesus, oftentimes we will stop taking our next step of following Jesus because there's something in our life that we're saying, "Uh, that's just going to cost me too much. I'm not willing to give that up. It feels like that obeying Jesus and following Jesus is going to cost me more than I want it to cost me. But I want you to understand something this morning. There is something very valuable that we trade away whenever we choose comfort over following. So today what we're going to do is we're going to dig a little deeper into what we sacrifice by failing to sacrifice in order to follow Jesus Christ. Because here's the reality. Every one of us, we begin to follow Jesus. Those of us who began the journey of following Jesus, we begin to follow Jesus because we felt like it would make us happy. See, the reality is most of us, we're not on a truth quest. We're not on a holiness quest. We are on a happiness quest. So we think, well, if I start following Jesus, it's going to make my life better. And and we even agree with that because you've heard us say this before, if you've been around here very long, like following Jesus will make your life better and make you what? Better at life. 
But here's the big question we want to lean into this morning, and that is this. What do you do when following Jesus threatens your happiness? Because eventually, following Jesus means doing something that is going to make you uncomfortable and is not necessarily going to make you happy. Like the Holy Spirit may challenge you to say, I want you to be more generous. I want you to give away more of your time. I want you to give away more of your money. And you go, I'm just uncomfortable giving that freely. Or I'm just uncomfortable with doing relationships the way the Holy Spirit is calling me to do relationships because maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time for you to forgive that person. And you go, oh, I'm just, I'm just not comfortable forgiving with that kind of grace. And that kind of freedom. Or maybe I'm uncomfortable being that selfless with my time or I'm, that, I'm uncomfortable like honoring that commitment or abstaining from this kind of behavior or this kind of action or I'm just uncomfortable trusting Jesus in this area. I just want to tell you something. If you have ever wrestled with the whole thing that following Jesus has made you uncomfortable, that it takes you out of your comfort zone, if you've ever wrestled with the discomfort of following Jesus, then what you've done is you've experienced the tension between the promise of what could be and the pain of what is. In fact, let's just spend a little bit of time Unpacking these two ideas. See, the promise of what could be is the reason that most of us begin to follow Jesus in the first place. See, our idea was, oh, it's the promise of what could be. I, I, I've always wanted to be this person. And Jesus says, I can become a person of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, kindness. So it's the promise of what could be. It's the life that God created us to live and, and the life that we want to experience the most. In fact, one way to think about this is to think about how would you finish this statement if you were dreaming about your future? I wish my life was filled with, see, the blank is the promise of what could be. And we're not just talking, when we talk about this blank here, we're not talking about filling it in with more material stuff. This blank, basically, it represents the desire that we have to go beyond just the material things of life, the desire to experience joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and all of those fruit of God's spirit in our life. For example, we all wish that my life was filled with peace, right? Because peace brings the kind of happiness and the kind of joy that circumstances just can't shake from us. But since when you think about it, when you're at peace with God and when you're at peace with others and you're at peace with yourself, life's pretty great, isn't it? It really is. So we want our lives to be filled with peace. Another thing oftentimes I hear people say is, I wish my life was filled with purpose, because all of us know there's nothing worse than just waking up in the morning, going through all the motions of our day, and at the end of our day, feeling like we accomplished nothing with our life, that nothing we did really mattered. Like, we all want to know that our life has meaning and purpose, that we made a difference with our life, that my life counts for something. We all want to know that, don't we? See, that's the promise of what could be. 
And it's the promise that God makes to us. He promises that if we follow him, it will lead to a life of peace and purpose and fulfillment and all the other significant things that we really desire at the soul level, not the material level, but at the soul level. But here's the problem. And this is where it just goes so against our 21st century immediate gratification kind of mindset. Here's the problem. You can't experience the promise of what could be with God without leaving the comfort of what is right now. Don't miss this. You can't experience the promise of what could be with God without leaving the comfort of what is. And here's why. And you really know this because you can't stay where you are and grow. Because to grow, you have to change. Think about that. You can't grow and not change. Like you can't protect the status quo and experience something new in your life. You can't be comfortable all the time following Jesus fully. You you can't grow without some level of discomfort in your life. Now, if that idea kind of makes you uncomfortable and you find yourself kind of pushing back and God, I don't know about this. Well, good news. You're in good company. See, Jesus' disciples, when Jesus introduced this idea to them, they had the same response that we often do when he explained this principle. In fact, one day, Jesus was with his disciples, with Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew and some of the other disciples in a Roman city known as Caesarea Philippi. And up to this point in time, the disciples were very comfortable following Jesus. I mean, I understand they had to leave their old jobs behind, as Matt talked about last week, and they left those jobs behind. But this new job of following Jesus, there was this term that they would use in that culture saying that they are walking in the path or they're walking in the dust of the rabbi. Literally, they are following the rabbi. So that was kind of elevated status. So following Jesus almost felt like they were being promoted because not everybody would get invited to follow a rabbi. So now they're following a rabbi, a teacher. They're becoming learned. And so every day they're learning something new. They're witnessing all these miracles and they had all of their needs met as they followed Jesus. But Jesus, in this conversation we're going to look at today, he's about to explain to them that it's going to cost them something more than what they ever expected. In fact, here's how this happened. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, what's the word on the street? What are you hearing? What do people think? Well, the disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So basically what the disciples are saying to Jesus is, Jesus, most of the people think that you're like a special prophet sent by God. And they're pretty excited because they think that you're coming to give us the future promise of what's going to happen for our country, this good news for our country, about our country and about our people. But then Jesus makes this question very personal. He says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the, don't miss this word because we're going to come back to this idea in just a moment. You are the Messiah, 
the son of the living God. In other words, Peter is saying, Jesus, we think that you are the promised one that we have been waiting for, that our country, our people have been waiting for for like thousands of years. We have decided that you are the promised Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And it's like, you are the promise of what could be, of what our lives could be based on what God promised Abraham. It's all about to come true through you. Well, notice Jesus' reply. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he goes on, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, at this point, when Jesus makes this declaration, the disciples, I think they become so excited because they believe they know what the fulfillment of this promise is going to look like. In their minds, it's going to look like when Jesus says, we're going to overcome, it's this whole idea that we're going to overthrow the Roman rule, that we're going to be a free people once again. It means that he's going to reign as king, and they as his disciples, they're going to reign alongside of him. And in their mind, it also means like no more poverty, no more struggle, no more suffering. In their minds, they're about to receive everything they've ever wanted. The full promise of the Messiah with no pain, with no struggle, with no discomfort. Which is why what Jesus says next in verse 21 absolutely stuns them to their core. Notice what Jesus says. From that time on, from the time that he made that declaration, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And then he goes on, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And I'm sure his disciples are thinking, wait, wait just a minute, Jesus. If you are who you say you are, then there is nothing that you must do. Like you of all people should be able to skip all the pain and go right to the promise. Like you are Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. You should be able to skip all the suffering, all the pain, all the difficulty that we as humans have to go through and go straight to the promise. Like you don't need to suffer and die to see the promise fulfilled. You're Jesus, just make it happen. But you know something? That's not how it works in life, is it? That's not how it works in life. It's not how it works for us. And it is not how it worked for our Lord and our Savior. See, Jesus knew that to deliver the promise that we all need, the whole promise of forgiveness, the promise of reconciliation with God, the promise of peace and joy, that he first had to go through pain. He had to endure the torture and the suffering of the Roman cross in order to offer us the promise of a life with God. You know what happens? His disciples, they respond just like we often do whenever we are faced 
with this whole idea that in order to experience the promise, we have to go through pain and suffering and difficulty, that there's discomfort. See, they resisted the idea because in their minds, if their leader had to go through the pain, if their leader had to go through the suffering, if their leader had to go through hardship, then they were not exempt either. So you know what they did? They reacted just like we do whenever we are confronted with the pain of suffering and all the intense struggle that we might have to face in life. Look at verse 22. Here's what happened. Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, I mean, I can just imagine Peter getting in Jesus' face and grabbing Peter, grabbing Jesus, Peter is grabbing Jesus going, never, Lord, this is not going to happen. This shall never happen to you. I mean, you got to stop and think about what's just happened here. Peter is looking at the man, maybe even grabbing hold of the man that he's just declared and acknowledged, hey, you're the Messiah. You're God in human flesh. And he grabs him. Imagine grabbing God and setting him straight. That's Peter. But see, this whole idea of the Messiah enduring pain having to suffer. I mean, it troubled him so deeply that he had the audacity to rebuke Jesus to the point that he pulled him aside and he began to lecture him about how this should not ever be, like this can't be. I mean, after all, Jesus, like it's not good for you to share about the promise and then point out the price of this promise to accomplish it is pain. Like, Jesus, nobody wants on that train. Like, we all want on the train that is going to take us straight to the promise with no pain, no suffering, no difficulty, no hard work, no hardship, no discomfort. Like, nobody wants on that. Well, notice how Jesus responds in verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Now, I'm not the sharpest guy in the room. But when Jesus calls you Satan, I think you've screwed up pretty good. Right? So Jesus says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And don't miss this next part. He says, you are a stumbling block to me. Why was he a stumbling block? You do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. Don't miss what Jesus is saying here. And what Jesus is saying here is keeping many of you from experiencing the promise that God has for you. Jesus says, avoiding pain is a stumbling block to the promise. Avoiding pain, pain avoidance, is a stumbling block to the promise that God has for us. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, it's impossible for me, Peter, to fulfill the promise without experiencing some pain. See, what Jesus is saying, Peter, you're a stumbling block because avoiding pain is human concern. It's not God's concern. See, God is concerned with something far greater than pain avoidance. Human concern is all about pain avoidance. 
In fact, Jesus, he goes a step further and he says this. Then Jesus says to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write above this in your Bible, must say no to themselves. Because here's what Jesus, Jesus says, here's what I must do. I must suffer. I must die in order to experience the promise. And then Jesus is telling us, here's what you must do. You must say no to yourself. He's saying there are areas in your life where if you want to experience the promise that I have for you, you have to say no to yourself. You must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And this little phrase right here, you must take up your cross. It's the whole idea that, that you've got to take, be willing to face and deal with un, un discomfort, with pain. In fact, he goes on and he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then he just kind of brings it all together and he says, so what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? Literally to, to escape all the pain, because that's what we think about when we gain the world. If I had more of this, if I had more of that, then I could escape pain. He goes, so what good will it be for someone to escape all the pain in the world because their life is so luxurious? And they have all the luxuries of life and they have all the good things of life, yet forfeit their soul, miss the promise of God for their life. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And this is so counterintuitive. But I'm telling you, until you get this, you will never experience all that you wish your life could be, which means this, salvation is free. It literally costs me nothing. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. But following Jesus will cost me something. See, Jesus said, you have to lose your life to find it. You, you have to leave what is familiar to experience a better future with God. See, following Jesus, it means experiencing the pain of obedience. It's saying no to myself and it's, it's saying yes to discomfort and difficulty and hardship. See, obedience always has a price. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. And if Jesus went down that path, we will never escape that path. In fact, don't miss this. Following Jesus will cost you something, and that something is your life. See, Jesus says, whoever loses their life for me, what will they do? They will find it which is Jesus saying to us that way too many times and way too often, we don't want to leave the comfort of what is. And because of that, we miss the promise of what could be. Please understand this. Let me just kind of break this down, what Jesus is saying for us. See, it's impossible for you to grow without changing. Think, think about it this way. You want to write these things down. Growth requires change. If you don't change anything, you'll never have different results. I mean, you, you've heard the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing you've always done and thinking you will get different results. So you have to change something to get different results. That's why every time God asks you to take a next step in following him, he asks you to change something. It's how he grows us. And as I said, you, you know this. 
Like if, if you want to have growth in a relationship, you have to change how you communicate and how you spend time in that relationship. If you want to have growth in your finances, you have to change how you manage your finances or how you think about your finances. Like if you want to have change or if you want to have growth in, in your career, then you have to make changes in order to move yourself forward. See, that's how it works. So growth requires change, but not only that, change requires loss, even if it's a good change. If you get a promotion at work, there's a change that happens, and there are things that you have to give up in order to go up, right? So even if you have a good change happening, it's going to require some loss. So every change in following Jesus is going to require you to lose something. You have to give up to go up. Like you give up and you lose the comfort of the status quo. You lose the freedom of doing things your own way. Like you lose the illusion that you are really in control of your life. And whenever you find yourself resisting this change, you need to remember that growth only happens when something changes. And according to Jesus, that change is death to self. See, life only happens out of death in the spiritual realm. In fact, that's not just true in the spiritual realm. It's also in the world in which we live. I mean, think about it. Your food has to die for you to live. Yes, even if you're vegan, you're killing the plants. <laughs> just saying. So, loss leads to life. And then here's the kicker. Loss requires pain. See, this one right here, to have growth, ultimately, you got to experience some pain. And, and this prevents so many of us from experiencing the promise of what could be. See, the pain that we need to experience or will have to experience in order to grow, in order to follow Jesus, is what causes many of us to quit following and this is why so many of you are growing spiritually right now in your life because see, God has stepped in and he's invited you to take a next step out of your comfort zone and you decided, ah, the pain, I don't think the pain is worth it. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. Whenever we quit following because we think the pain is going to be too great, the difficulty, the suffering, the hardship is going to be too great, that's not the reason we give people for not following. We make up something that sounds a whole lot more spiritual. We make up things like this. Well, it's just a busy season for our family right now. So I just, I just, I just don't have time to invest more of my life in other people or get involved in, you know, a group. Or it's just hard to find a night or to get child care. So we're just not going to be part of a small group this semester. Or, you know, we're just going through a really busy time at work and I'm having to put in extra time. So I just don't have time to like be a small group leader in student ministry or in children's ministry right now. I don't have time to get involved in that. Or like, we're just going through so much during this season. Or here, here's another big one. And, and people think like this is a spiritual statement. Sunday is the only time we have as a family. So we're going to ignore God and do our own thing. And then wonder why our kids drift away from God. Like, Really? And we think it's a spiritual statement when we say that. But see, if you get real honest with yourself, 
While we try to spiritualize and rationalize, you know what the word rationalize is? Rational lies. So when we try to rationalize all these things, down deep inside, we have to admit that you simply did not want to leave the comfort of what is to experience the promise of what could be. Now, to do that, you, you got to understand this. You really do. God's going to give you the freedom to resist his invitation to grow and follow. He's that kind of gentleman. He, he won't force it on you. But I want you to understand something. You also cannot be the only exception to this. Without pain, you will never enjoy the promise of what God experienced. In fact, when Jesus says this statement, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. He, he's making a statement that life in him is only found through obedience. And obedience is denying yourself. It's saying no to yourself. It's dying to self and saying, it's not just about my happiness. I, I just hear people all the time saying, well, God wants me happy. Find it in scripture. Yeah, he wants you happy. We're going to talk about that in a few months. But it's birthed out of something else that happens in our life. And that thing that makes us happy is dying to self and taking up our cross and going through the change, the loss, and the pain to experience the growth that God has for you. And some of you are going, yeah, and this is why I chose not to follow Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stop here. He goes, I just want you to know that all the pain, it will be so worth it. In fact, here's how he concludes. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angel, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. See, what Jesus is saying here is, listen, one day you're going to see that the pain of obeying, the suffering that you had to go through to obey, the times you had to deny yourself, the times that you had to take up your cross and go through difficulty and hardship. He says, one day you're going to experience that the pain of following the sacrifice and the cost and the price that you paid to grow and follow Jesus and change and follow Jesus, you're going to discover one day it's all going to be so worth it. And one day, meaning for all eternity, he says, you're going to experience the reward for sacrifice and suffering for your little 70 years on this life. He goes, imagine one day the promise, you're going to discover the promise is far going to outweigh the pain. Because it's like, what is 70 years of denying self? Saying no to self and following Jesus and experiencing the difficulty of that to experiencing for millions of years the reward of that. He's like, it's worth it. The investment is going to be greater than what you could ever, ever imagine. So here's the question that I want you to wrestle with this week, and that is this. What comfort am I clinging to that's holding me back from experiencing God's promise? Not just God's promise for here and now, but God's promise for all eternity. God's promise of peace and joy and happiness and fulfillment and satisfaction, significance, 
purpose, meaning. Like what steps is Jesus calling you to take that you're refusing to take? Like what is it that God is asking you to do and you're just not willing to pay the price to do what it takes to follow Jesus? Like where are you not willing to die to yourself in order to follow Jesus? Maybe for some of you, it's a relationship that you know you need to get out of. But you're not willing to say no to that relationship because in your mind you go, well, this relationship's not right, but it makes me happy. And Jesus goes, oh, I got so much more for you. Others of you, it's a relationship that you need to reconcile. But you know to reconcile this relationship, it's going to be messy. It's going to cost you something. Like you might get hurt in the process. So saying I'm sorry, like it would be so difficult to say I'm sorry to this person. And so you refuse to do so. Maybe for some of you, You know the Holy Spirit is telling you, okay, it's time for you to be authentic and vulnerable and transparent with somebody. And and like you need to acknowledge that you just don't have it all together and that you need some help. But your pride, it just keeps pushing you to resist the pain of confessing. It's why some of you have resisted for maybe many semesters, maybe some of you this semester saying, I just dislike, you come up with all these spiritualized, rationalized reasons why you're not a part of a small group, but really it's just like your pride won't let you be vulnerable and transparent and you want everybody to think you have it all together. Like you would just rather fake it and hope things improved instead of being honest about your faults and your failures and your struggles. But for some of you, maybe it's just you recognizing or accepting the fact that you can't get life right on your own. You just can't do it, that you need God. Like you don't want to admit that you're not enough. And that whole thought of saying, God, I need you as my Lord and Savior and my sin forgiver. It's just like too painful for you. Your pride won't let you do that. Maybe for some of you, It's like, you're not willing to give up any of your time. God's saying, I need you to serve these children. I need you to serve these students. I need you to serve these adults. For some of you, just going, I just not going to give up my way. I like my way. I'm comfortable in my own little pain. For some of you, maybe starting off the year and the Holy Spirit saying, you need to start practicing priority percentage giving and become generous. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's coming to grip with the fact that your talents that God gave you, they're not for you. They're, God gave them to you to help other people. See, like, whatever you find God tapping on your heart, and in that area, he's saying, I need you to grow. You just follow me, and yeah, it's going to have some discomfort. There's going to be some turbulence. There's going to be some pain. Listen, whenever God invites you to follow him, there is always going to be the temptation to say, I know my little pain right here, right now, and I'm just going to settle with what's comfortable. But here's what Jesus is saying. Every time you do that, you lose the opportunity to grow. You lose the opportunity to follow. See, you lose the opportunity to know God more personally. You lose the opportunity to live the kind of life and become the kind of person that you so deeply in your heart desire to become. And that's why some of you have been following Jesus or you've called yourself following Jesus for years, but you are so unhappy And here's why, because you're not following fully. See, the most miserable person on the planet is a person who shows up and tries to act like they're following Jesus, but they know Jesus has done stepped on down the road and they're refusing to follow, but they want to act like 
that they're all following. That's a miserable place to be. Like you look at sinners who are not even follow Jesus and they're having more fun than you because they know how to sin well and don't even feel guilty about it. But man, you, every time you sin and you say no to Jesus, you just feel more guilt and shame, right? That's how it works. The most miserable people on the planet are people who say they want to follow, but refuse to do so. And when you don't fully follow, that's a miserable place to be. Like what you're trying to do is you're trying to pick and choose where you're going to follow. But Jesus is very clear. I'm not leaving you with that option. Like if you refuse to follow him, like if you refuse to follow him in your sexuality, in your money, in your entertainment choices, in your relationships, in your time, what Jesus is saying, listen, you're trading short-term comfort for long-term regret. Listen, salvation is free. It costs you nothing. But following Jesus is going to cost you something. But don't miss this. But not following him will cost you even more. It's going to cost you peace. It's going to cost you growth. It's going to cost you joy. It's going to cost you eternal reward. And even more than that, it's going to cost you things that you cannot measure here and now because you have no idea what or who hangs into the balance of your decision to follow or not to follow. I mean, just let me remind you, you're not the only one impacted by whether you follow Jesus or not. Like, you have no idea whose life you're going to impact in a negative or a positive way if you choose to follow or not to follow, no matter the cost. See, the reality is, you don't know what Jesus might do. He, I mean, Jesus might come along and say, I'm going to use your life to change two people, to change 10 people, to change 20 people, maybe for some of you, hundreds of people, some of you, thousands of people. You just don't know how God might use you. See, there's a promise that God has for you, a preferred future he wants you to experience, but you can't do so without pain. So here's the question. Will you resist or will you obey? And I'm just going to tell you something. It's so easy for us to say something like this. The answer to this is yes or no. For, for many of us, we go, well, I'm just working on myself. <laughs> no. Working on yourself just makes you kind of a better, improved version in a certain area of yourself, possibly. But then you fall right back into the same thing. So the question is, will you resist following Jesus or will you obey? See, there's more that rides on this than what you possibly can imagine. And here's what I can tell you from experience. Any person who's ever chosen to follow Jesus to the best of their ability said, I'm going to be a fully devoted, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. If you ask them, was it worth it? They would always say yes. Because see, knowing God, trusting God in the difficulties, understanding who God is, having expanded faith in God, experiencing the fruit of the Spirit of God in and through your life, it's way more valuable than anything that you have to lose. And please understand, if our Savior was willing to endure the pain in order for us to experience the promise of what could be, then following Jesus means also, hey, we're going to have to take the same path. 
We're going to have to deny ourselves. We're going to have to die to our desires and our wishes. And we're going to have to pick up the cross and follow. So again, what comfort are you clinging to? What pain are you resisting? And like, will you choose today to give your life not only to Jesus in order to follow him, but also in order to gain the life that he absolutely wants for you to experience through him? Please don't miss this. Experiencing the promise of what could be requires leaving the comfort of what is. So I want you just to think about where do you need to follow, even though it's uncomfortable? Will you die to self? And will you choose in this moment to follow? Why don't you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this defining moment for many of us in our lives. God, for many of us, this is the moment that we begin to realize, ah, oh, this is why I'm so miserable following Jesus. Because I've been trying to pick and choose, not really dying to myself, not denying myself, not picking up the cross. And God, for those who've never chosen, that made that decision to follow you, I pray that this will be the moment when they say, Jesus, today I realize salvation is a gift from you. But following you, it's so worth it. It's going to cost me. It's going to cost me something. But I realize it's worth it. So today I choose to begin the process of saying yes to you. I am willing to endure the difficulty, the hardship, the pain, whatever it requires in order to experience the promise of the life that could be. God, I thank you. I thank you for how you just made this so clear and plain to us. And I pray that we go and lean, lean into this. And we find out what we're resisting in order to stay comfortable, in order to follow and experience what you've promised us. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone for being with us. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday. We're living, breathing, walking, miracles.